0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. Um, so uh, how many of you here last week when Pastor Brent uh, spoke? Good. So um he, he told me that since he went till uh, 1230, I could go till 1245 and everybody would stay. Is that it? It's like a, we're going we're, we're gonna to do it like a... Um, no, you don't think so? Okay, maybe. Uh, I'm glad to be here. This is exciting and it's been a while since I've had a chance to, uh, to bring the word. I'd like to um, first uh, pray and, and let's, let's get my head right, get this, this process right. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for this day and this opportunity. Thank you for uh, your word that we have to, to learn from and to live by. Thank you for your son Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us that we might have a relationship with you, Father, like like Adam and Eve did before they before they sinned. We're so grateful for that. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the ability to walk around every day with the Spirit of God inside us, to guide us, to convict us, to lead us, to show us love and peace, I'm grateful. I ask today, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place completely. That last song, come and fill this atmosphere, fill this entire space, fill everyone sitting here with your divine presence, your glory, your majesty. Fill people with peace. Help them interpret what they hear from the word of God. You're the author. You can be the interpreter. Help people to understand it protect us here. and Don't allow anything to disrupt or or take away from your glory, God. Help me and every word that comes out of my mouth to be a word that you want me to say, that glorifies and honors you and not me. I pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, thank you. Um, So, uh, um, Pastor Brent uh, talked about last week that that we're uh, in a bit of a series uh, with a theme, and that theme is holy. Thank you. You were paying attention last week. That was good. Um, you may know, Pamela, I'm sure you know because you've seen me before, uh, many times when I speak, um, I, I use audience participation. So if I say things like, you know, the theme is, it's a you speak, and then it's good. It helps me move on. I don't have to do it over again. Um, if I try to say something funny, if I try, laugh. Because then I move on from that too. Um, Do we have the, I didn't see it, the verse of the week. Can we put that up for just a second um, on on one of the screens or multiple? Is that okay? It's there now? Thanks. So this is the verse of the week, but it's also the verse that I'm going to be talking about today. Or at least it's our anchor. So, so when you go home, you've got in your worship guide uh, uh, attached to the worship guide a copy of this verse. You can take it with you. Bring it in your car, um, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your bathroom mirror, put it in your wallet, put it somewhere where you're going to see it. Not so that you necessarily memorize it, although many people do, but just to think about the fact that there is no one holy like the Lord. There's no one holy like the Lord. That's today's uh, sort of anchor verse as we talk about holy and what does it mean to be holy and how can we be holy like God's holy. That was his command be holy for I am holy. I mean, that's, I, I think Pastor Jeff spent, uh, Pastor uh, Brent spent about 15, 20 minutes last week just explaining what the word holy means sanctified, set apart, special, holy. <clears throat> and God is holy. And, and here's the thing. He wants us to be holy. In fact, he commands it over and over and over in Scripture. He told it to Israel. He told it to individuals. He told, uh, It's in the Gospels. It's it's everywhere. Be holy because your Father is holy. In Matthew 5.48, it says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. In 1 Peter one sixteen, he says, For it is written, Be holy f- because... I am holy now i I struggle with this sometimes. maybe we all should struggle with this a little bit. How can we be holy um, I, you, you, meet, you meet anybody who 's a sinner uh, a christian let 's call them a christian and and they they 're a saved Christian, a born again believer, and they 're going to sometime during a conversation pretty quickly say. I'm a sinner saved by faith. Uh, Yes, but I'm still a sinner. And they're going to keep reminding you. uh, You ever notice that? Somebody messes up. They say stuff like the spirit is willing, but the... They're skipping the first half of that verse, by the way, that says pray and watch so you don't fall to temptation. The sin, the flesh is willing, but the... Uh, Sorry, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Like there's another part that we forget. But what I want to point out is... We got to be careful the number of times we fall back on the excuse, well, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Yes, we are. But God commanded us to be holy and perfect over and over and over. How could he ask us to do something like that if it were impossible to do? He might ask us things that are hard to do. Often, God will send us places or ask us to do things or put us in situations that are Hard for us, they might be tests for us, not temptations, but tests for us. Um, think of Abraham. Abraham was given a pretty big test, wasn't he? Right? Um, all those years waiting for a son, and then God says, "Now um, go sacrifice him. Come on, let's go." I don't know what he thought along the way, except he trusted. God would get him through what seemed to be completely impossible. Here's what I hope you get out of today. You can be holy like God is holy because he said so, not because I said so. He's not going to tell you to do it and then make it impossible for you to do it. Now, will it be difficult? Yes, but here's the best part. You just sang about the answer. You sang about the best part. When Listen to this. When you become a born-again believer, when you say, Jesus Christ, I accept you. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. You died for my sins. Thank you. I love you. You were the ultimate sacrifice. Nothing else would do. You're the Lamb of God. Perfect without blemish you died for me i want you i accept what you've done i believe you are who you say you are i want you to run my life be the lord be the king of my life if you've done that we know from the bible that immediately you get something special something that the rest of the world doesn't get living inside you you get the the what the holy spirit Spirit, not the good spirit Not the Santa spirit. Not though you're going to try really hard spirit. Not the spirit of energy. Not the spirit of goodness. You get the what spirit? spirit? Okay, now think about this. Be holy because I'm holy. And when you're in a relationship with me, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to live inside you so that every single day you become more holy like I told you to. You see the connection there? There are people who fight this. They, uh, I holy, how can I be holy? Look at who I am. Look what I've done. Look what I Stop. You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ, you walk around with the power of the Holy Spirit inside you. You understand? How powerful that is? Now, here's the cool thing. You want the Holy Spirit to Take over and make you more holy each day. Because here's the deal between now and when either you die or Jesus comes back, we are expected to become more and more sanctified, more and more holy every day. We're supposed to get more and more holy every day. We're not supposed to stay right where we are, just hanging out waiting for Jesus to come. I'm ready. I got my doses, I got my booster shot of Holy Spirit. I'm in, I'm in the club. We're supposed to become more and more holy every day. If you're not, if, if you look back on a year ago from today, look back on a year ago or last summer, and you think my life is exactly the same, my relationship with God, how I serve a holy God, how I worship a holy God is exactly the same or different. Is it different and more leaning towards God or different and leaning away? Or status quo, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. Here's the thing, though: you can you could the the Holy Spirit's not going to force you to do what you don't want to do. He's not. It's up to you to say yes. I'm listening. I hear you, and I'm doing, and I'm being. You're going to hear a lot over the next few weeks, a few months, as we continue this. There's not a list of holy to dos. God wants us not to do, although yes, He does want us. He wants us to be holy. He didn't say do holy things. He said be holy. That starts now. If you are being holy, guess what's going to happen on the outside? You're going to do holy things. Like you, you don't need you don't start with the list and work your way up. It's like you win a level one, level two, level three. Ding! Holy doesn't work that way. Wouldn't that be great? We like that. You get on your phone, you're playing a game, you're like, ooh, I'm almost there. Ha! Ah, I leveled up. God doesn't score us that way. God doesn't have a relationship with us that way. Here's where we are today. We're in 1 Samuel. Uh, I probably should get to the, to the text, huh? Um, I know, really. I, I actually said this to Cindy last night. I said, I can't wait to see what God does with what I came up with. So far, he's done a lot, because I'm not talking about any of this here. Uh, I should, I should, maybe I should just keep going. No, I, no, I want to tell this story a little bit. because Look, um, this, this verse, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. I don't mean to minimize the rest of it. These are portions of, of a poem or a song that a woman named Hannah uh, said in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 2, actually, 2-2. Um, but you've got to know 1 Samuel chapter 1 to understand why she's saying this as part of this song, this hymn of praise to God. It was sort of like a, it was a worship and a prophetic uh, poem or psalm. Or him that she was singing, and and uh, it's it's really powerful. But you got to know the story a little bit, okay? First, let's go back to that time uh, in in Israel. It was not a good time for the country of Israel. We're going to talk about um, uh, we're going to talk about Hannah, and we're going to talk about Samuel, who is the is the writer of Samuel. That's the two main characters that we're going to. Besides, see, God's the main character. And they're the supporting characters. But you gotta know what was going on in the world at that time. If you if you had in your if you're in first Samuel chapter one right now, just turn back just a few pages, just like sort of skip through Ruth and go to the last verse of Judges 21, 25. Would you do that for me? Just Judges 21 25. Just to understand the state of the world that 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 Hannah was living in. Right there. And it says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. See, judges were these rulers that they had in, in Israel, and, and uh, they would, uh, some of them were wonderful judges, and some of them were bad judges, but at this time, all the judges, the powerful, they died off, and lit- and they were the spiritual leader, and the judge, and the military ruler, that word judge, as we think about it now, is way too small to think of these people in, in, uh, listed as judges. They were military rulers, they were political rulers, and they were spiritual leaders, Good or bad. Okay? But it, but when they had it good and they followed God, God blessed them. When they didn't, God chastised them. But, but now we see in this period, just before we start reading about Hannah and uh, her story, there were no uh, judges, no kings. They'd all died off. And it says, what does it say about the people? They're all basically doing what they want. They were worshiping other gods. They were every kind of, like, if you picture the world today, the way it is now, with people just doing what they want, making up their own rules, lots of different religions, people who say one thing and worship another, uh, uh, sexual immorality, you, you name it, they were doing it there. There's, there's stories uh, later that we see that there were... Uh, um, prostitutes outside the temple walls, and even some of the priests were using you know the services of the prostitutes. There was alcohol in the outer courts they were drinking they were it was It was not a good time for Israel in their relationship with God they were basically just doing whatever they want, like the world we live in now, mostly people just making up their own version of the truth and and so that 's what makes Hannah, even more special. Let's 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 turn to um, chapter one for just a minute of Samuel. First Samuel chapter one. I, w- I want to share this because here's what I'd like you to get out of understanding this uh, set of scripture: is that um, Hannah, who said there is no one holy like the Lord, believed it and acted like it. So here's what I'd like you to think about. If I believe that God is as holy as he says he is, as holy as he is, as holy as he demonstrates, as holy as the scripture testifies, as holy as the world testifies, when you look around the world, if he is that holy, how am I supposed to be in relationship with him as a holy God? Like... I I know I, even when I was praying earlier, I was praying, and I thought to myself, "Am I praying to a God that I really think is as holy as He actually is?" Because sometimes, sometimes uh, I don't know. L- let's just talk about what happened with with um, with Hannah. She she's married um, uh, to a to a man named um, I don't say his name easily. Uh, Elkanah, Elkanah, married to a man named Elkanah. And he actually had two wives, two wives. He had um, uh, Peninnah and Hannah. Now, Peninnah had children w- with um, Elkanah, but Hannah couldn't. Hannah would, the words they would use then would be barren or she, she couldn't have children. And, and it was a frustrating thing for her. That that uh, and and look, not we're not commenting right now on the whole concept of being married to more than one person at the same time here, uh, because it wasn't in, it wasn't endorsed in the Old Testament, but it did happen. So here's how it happens. It almost always happened a lot, by the way, when the first wife was barren. The men would find a second wife to have children. To make a long story short, this was not a good thing for Hannah. She was uh, disappointed. She wanted children. Year after year, her husband went to to Shiloh and would worship. Now you'll notice in verse uh, 3, it talks about year after year, this man went up from the town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Eli's another supporting character in this portion of the story, Eli. Eli was probably what we would consider the the head priest, the chief priest at the time. Um, and he wasn't in good relationship with God around then. His sons were doing things that were wrong, and he didn't fix it, and God knew about it. You see, just a little bit later in 1 Samuel, God gets mad and says, basically, I'm going to kill all of you, you and your whole family, and then none of them are ever going to live to be old. I'm going to kill them all because you knew better, and you let them do this. God was serious. But as of that time, God knew what was going on, Eli is the, the, the chief priest there, and his sons are also priests. He would go and he would give sacrifices to God. He would offer sacrifices. I love this. He would give portions of, of meat for his wives to sacrifice, also to offer, because that was his job to, to provide for them. But he loved Hannah so much that he basically gave her double portions. We read many times of double portions in the Bible, and that's for highly favored people. He loved Hannah and wanted the best for her, but the other wife kept, kept on and on and on provoking Hannah. We see that in verse 6, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and couldn't even eat. Her husband would say to you, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downtrodden? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? He's trying to encourage her. This isn't a criticism. This is a, I'm doing doing everything I can. Here in verse 9, it gets good. Once when they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on to your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor shall ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. She said, not so, my Lord. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Don't take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my anguish and grief. Eli said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. Let's pause for a minute. I want to point out a couple of things about about, um, Hannah. I believe that Hannah believed, truly, truly, truly believed that God was holy and he was all-powerful and he was everything he said he was. Now remember, she was living in a time that lots and lots of people did not behave that way. But she did. She faithfully went with her husband and, and uh, worshipped God, and she faithfully went with her husband, and offered sacrifices to the Lord, according to the law at the time, and she faithfully prayed, look at this, her fervent prayer, like if, if you don't really think, God is as powerful, and as big, and as holy he, as he is, why would you pray with all your heart, so that your lips would move, but words wouldn't even come out, People, the, the chief priest sitting right there thought she was drunk because she was so deep into her prayer. You ever look around, see someone praying and think, oh, they're praying strange. How do they pray that way? <laughs> someone judged Hannah that same way. Turned out God heard her. Um, she said, uh, she made a vow to God, this incredible vow. She said, God, if you give me a son, I'm going to give him right back to you. And 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 this is an interesting thing that she does here. She says, "I'm going to give him back." And and uh, let me read it to you again, so you see it. Uh, look, remember me. Uh, give me a son, and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Now, interestingly, that was a reference back to Numbers six, two through six, where God talks about a Nazarite vow. Um, God God explained to Moses. People can take a vow and dedicate themselves to God and they had to do certain things. They had to not cut their hair for a certain amount of time. Usually though, interestingly enough, they, and that was a voluntary thing, they made that vow. We, I believe uh, the Apostle uh, Paul did this at some point during his life also. Because there's a Bible verse that tells us that Paul got a haircut why else would he tell us that Paul got it? Literally says Paul got his hair cut. Um, and, and so here's this thing. Uh, H- Hannah makes this vow that normally would a man be serving in the tabernacle from about 25 years old or 30 years old to 50. Okay? So the, the, the person makes their own vow. I'm going to serve from 25 to about 50. And they go and they serve. She said a bigger vow. You give me a son and I will give him right back for life, for life. Now, here's another thing. At that time, those vows were so solemn, so, they were irrevocable vows. When you made a vow like that to God, for a woman, she had to immediately tell her husband. That was the law at the time with Moses, tell her husband. And her husband didn't agree. He had until sundown to go make the vow, you know, hey, no, she didn't mean it. She was drinking, you know, whatever it was. But interestingly, that didn't happen. We see from the rest of the story, the husband agreed with her vow. So can you imagine she wants a child so bad? She wants a child so bad. She's begging God. She's crying out and literally no sound came out. She was praying, it says in the Bible, in her heart. Others would say in her spirit. And she said, if you let me have that child, you can have the child right back for life. What a great... Now, Now, if you don't believe that God is holy, you don't make a vow like that. She's like acting on her faith that God is as holy as he says he is, is as powerful as he says he is, he is worthy of, of everything as he says he is. She's, she's now proving it. I am living, she says, I'm living proof that you are who you say you are because I'm worshiping you. I'm crying out to you. I love you, and if you help me, I will immediately use that to glorify you, not me. If, can you think of what most mothers would want? They, I want the child. Thank you. Thank you for the gift. Abraham must have thought in that until God changed the plan and said, Go, go sacrifice your son, right? He, he, Abraham didn't say, Give me a son, now take him back. God made that decision but in this case this 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 beautiful woman makes this she says it here's a, think about look at the words that she uses to describe herself here i want to explain this a little bit when she calls herself a servant when she says lord almighty this is in verse 11 if you only look on your servant's misery the word that the original greek would have also been translated um, handmaiden like this is a this is a submissive pious just all in all in she's approaching god with great humility in her request and her promise you see, when we talk about holy, these are examples for us of how, how we, I'm not saying we, our life would line up with the way Hannah's lined up, but think about just the basic things, the way we pray, the way we worship, the, the things we ask of God, our attitude towards God. She's modeling for us what a holy God deserves and requires from us. She, she makes this prayer and she, she, she gets, she makes this prayer and she says, I'm going to make a vow. And then I love this verse 12. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Um, another way that that would be uh, interpreted would be like the literal words multiplied to pray, which we could also say prayed long and hard. She prayed long and hard. This wasn't a little, dear Lord, please give me a, give me a child, and I'll give him right back to you. This is. She prayed long and hard because God was holy, and that's the way she communicated with him. After a prayer and after explaining herself to the to the priest there. He tells her to leave and she leaves. Now, look at this. It says in verse 18, May your servant find favor in your eyes, talking to the priest. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. (laughs) She prayed with such confidence to a holy God that she didn't have to worry whether it was going to be answered. She just knew God was going to do what God was going to do. She went and ate. Remember, she used to be so upset she couldn't even eat or drink. She finishes praying to God long and hard. And then she goes and eats and drinks. And she's no longer sad and, and downtrodden. Why? Complete trust in the Holy God. That's just so cool to see her do that. How many times do we pray and, and pray like that and f- feel better we're supposed to feel better that we've given it to God we've made our request known to the holy God of the universe the creator of everything and he's got this and so we know that everything happens for the good of those who love him and she knew that and acted like it we know it from her behavior she ate she drank and she went on her way here's another thing she acted on when she got home so maybe some of you have read ahead I don't know Early, early the next morning They rose, they worshipped the Lord again, they went back home. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. When we see the Lord remembered her, that doesn't mean he forgot her, and went, oh yeah, Hannah. Remembered her meant called, she was called to his mind. He thought about, is probably a better way. He thought about Hannah. Wouldn't it be great if the Bible said, God thought about Bob. God thought about him wouldn't that be great he does he does and in this case we see him thinking about hannah and so in the course of time hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son (laughs) she went home and made love to her husband and had a and they had a baby like it was like bam god was like prayer answered what seriously that's just cool she had no doubt She she doesn't. There's nothing here we read that she doubted. In fact, her behaviors tell us she didn't doubt. And I'm not saying if you don't doubt, God's going to answer every prayer. I'm just using her as an example of she acted like God was holy. She acted like it. She acted like God. Sometimes I think we think God's not as big as He thinks. That I mean, you say it right. Sometimes I think I don't think about God as big as He really is. Sometimes I. Put God in a smaller box. There's no box that hold that can hold God. No box. The God that we worship is is so giant and so holy and so wonderful and so everything. As we think in our human minds, we try to. You you know the phrase you know the Bible tells us that we're made in God's image, and we were talking about this in Bible study this morning. I worry sometimes that that we that means we think we can. We think we can think like God, but his thoughts aren 't our thoughts we we can 't think like him we can 't know like him, so when we so we put God in a small box sometimes because we think god 's like us it 's not that we 're supposed to reflect him he 's not going to be like us it 's the other way around. Am I telling you something like you already know because because i 'm you know this is it's starting to get in me so i thought i'd share it with others maybe somebody's somebody's there she says uh she has a son this is so cool she has a son uh she named him Samuel Sam, and she even explains why saying because i asked the lord for him and and the actual Hebrew that this would have been written could be translated literally, from Yahweh, I asked him. From Yahweh, I asked him. She asked his name. You know how Pastor Brent does this wonderfully. He reminds us all the time how your name has meaning, and God preordained it, and, and do you live up to the meaning of your name? And here's this beautiful example. From God, I asked him. Samuel. Then, then what did Hannah do? Hannah uh, breaks her promise and and keeps the son to herself. No, because she knows God is holy and she knows God wants him wants her to keep her promises. And 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 so what does she do? She uh, the next season after you know or a couple of seasons after after that um, he's getting a little older and. The husband, is Elkanah, is going to go to do annual sacrifices, and she says, I don't want to go. Let me wait until after the boy is weaned, which in those days there's argument two years or three years, somewhere in there. Let me, let me wait until he's weaned. Why does it say wait until he's weaned? What does it say in verse 22? Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after those boys weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will... Stay, mine says, live there always. (laughs) She's been breastfeeding this child for two or three years. And and this is her boy, the one that she couldn't have all these years. She made a promise to God. And she says, "I, I can't go yet for this trip to go worship God, but I'm going. And I'm bringing Samuel because he's not coming back. Oh, man. Do you think she believed God was holy and deserved her love, her worship? She's acting like it. I love this. So the husband says, well, yeah, I love how he... This This guy seems to be like a, at least husbandly, do what seems best. Whatever you think is best. He's trusted her so far. He's had her back so far. He used to give her double, double portions. That's beautiful. Stay here until you weaned him. Only may the Lord God make good his word. So the woman stayed at home, nursed her son until she weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her. Uh, it's likely El- Elkanah, the husband, went also. He's not mentioned here, but he is a little later. So we'll just, put it, we'll just mention that. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her. Young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, and ep- epaph of flour. It's a bag of flour, about 60 pounds, and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I'm the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord and he will wait. It says, and he worshiped the Lord there. She goes to the priest and says, here, I kept my word. Here's my son, two or three years old. Uh, people would say, how do you leave a two or three year old at the temple there with the priest? Um, there were, the priests were married. Some of them had wives. The wives had families. They were, it was possible. So don't worry, was this a possible thing? But what I love is the last line because we don't know who this is, but it says, and he Worship the Lord there. So who are the he's that are available? Who's possible? Elkanah, the husband. Eli, the priest. Or Samuel. Two or three-year-old Samuel. Hmm, interesting. Um, could have been the husband. Probably not Eli. Because I mean, Eli was in a little bit of trouble with the Lord at the time. So actually the general consensus is that he was Samuel. And and where would he have learned to worship the Lord? His mom and dad. He was raised right. Look what, oh, if you read and you got it's actually uh, uh, an amazing story. Like, if, if you don't, we're not gonna have time now to go through all of it, but but just flip through uh, 1 Samuel 3 and 4 and 5. There's, and you watch Samuel grow. You see parts of his life. It's just amazing to watch. Uh, and it doesn't take long to do it. It's, it's fun. I mean, there's all kinds of cool things later, but, but just to see what happens with this young man that, that, she, that his mother said he's going to live with the Lord forever. And then she writes this prayer, which led us to our verse today. Hannah prayed and said, "My heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord, my horn is filled, is, I'm sorry, is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance." there is no one holy like the lord there is no one beside you there is no rock like our god this is a woman who understand understood who god was how great he was and and you could you can imagine if he said well we sometimes want to make excuses for people you know we'll look at the conditions she grew up in she grew up in a world that God wasn't being worshipped like this. this was even at the temple there were bad things going on the, the 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 house of the lord there were there were it was corruption, greed, sin right around and in not at inside the holy of holies but right she could look and say even the priests don't believe, so we wouldn't hold it against her if she if she didn't keep her vow or we might make excuses but she declared the Lord was holy, but before she declared it, she acted on it. She worshiped year after year after year, wanting a child. She didn't give up. She cried out with complete trust in the Lord. She acted on that trust, that faith. Think about how this applies to your own life. Maybe it's not all of these for you, maybe one or two of the points, you go, yeah, yeah. I uh, not to give you a to-do list, but just a reminder of when you believe that God is, there's no one like him, and he really is as big as he is, and he really is as holy as he is, then would that change anything for you? In fact, it's supposed to change something for you. If you're a believer, because you've got His Holy Spirit inside you, pulling you closer to Him each day, more and more holy, like He is holy, more and more perfect, like He is perfect. That's what He told us to do. So, that's the story of Hannah. Uh, there, I think I think it's a amazing story of her faith in a in a holy God, and I loved. I love learning more. Keep, keep reading. Just have a little fun. It won't take you long. Just to get, get a little of that thread. Maybe, maybe you get hooked. Because um, Samuel turns out to be an important priest and prophet in Israel. All because she made a vow and said, God, you give me a son, he's yours. Just think about that. She asked for the most important thing in her life. She had a good husband who basically said, I'm better than 10 sons. Turns out Hannah had more sons later in her life. She did. God kept giving her children, which was also cool. She she wanted one, gave it away. He gave her like six more. It was so cool. Um, there's a whole story there on generosity, isn't there? Like uh, Obeying and letting God... You know, use. Here's, here's the cool thing about, about this, this story that I, I just keep, I, it keeps spinning in my head how she everything she did was for God's glory even though, like she had a strong desire, she had a strong desire for a child but, but even she said if you give me the child it's for your glory it's going to be for your service not mine that, that is complete, like so unselfish, selfless so beautiful to see and I'll tell you this, she didn't have the benefit of the Holy Spirit living inside of her, like we do. See, we've got this extra... We've got the presence of God living inside of us to help us worship God like as holy as He is. We, that, the Holy Spirit in us and God the Father are constantly communicating. And as they're communicating... If we can, if, if it's our responsibility to be part of that, to draw closer or closer. Okay. So that's the story uh, today. And in our verse, there's no one holy like you. Um, and early when I started, uh, I mentioned, we, we talked about how you get this Holy Spirit of God living inside you, dwelling inside you forever. Um, and uh, And we talked about that's through Jesus Christ. So we come to a point in our service where um, we, we offer people to <clears throat> to make a choice. When I, I like when I preach over at Mission Casa because uh, Pastor Gabo over there, if you ever go there, does not have a separate time. You know, Churches, they call it like a time of invitation. Now you've heard the story of God. Do you want to make a choice? He said every word <laughs> we say is an invitation, so it should happen all along, and you don't have to wait. For a special time, I actually like that a lot, but I do want to offer an opportunity now if if uh, just to remind you not to walk out of here if you're not sure that holy Spirit of God that I talked about dwelling inside you, working t- to help to sanctify you over time, that holy Spirit of God that that seals you so that you can have a relationship with God forever and ever and ever, um, only comes one way. It it comes through obedience to the gospel. And the gospel says, um, believe in Jesus Christ as the ultimate sacrifice for your sin, that he died for your sins. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever so, whoever shall believe in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and that's the truth. Believe in Jesus Christ. So if, if you've not done that, I, I was talking to a young man the other night leading a Bible study. He's been coming a few weeks. He sort of participates. He's got a Bible in front of him. And, and you've you got to imagine someone can own Bible study. Maybe they're already a believer. He came up to me after the class and asked for prayer. And I said, what can I pray for? And he said, I'm evil. I don't want to be anymore. So I said, well, listen, I, I don't know a lot about you, but here's the question I would ask you just like I asked him. Do you know of a day, do you know of a time where you called out to God in a prayer and said, Jesus, I want you to take over. Um, I, want, I, want, thank you, I want you to forgive me. I'm, I repent. I'm sorry. I don't want to be evil. I don't want to be a sinner. Save me. Help me. So I asked him, has that ever happened in your life? And he said, no. Turns out he he told me he'd been in jail a few times. I said, in jail, no chaplain ever came and said, say a prayer, you know? And he said, no. I said, what do you want to do? He said, I I don't want to live like this anymore. I can't live this. Maybe there's someone in this room right now. You don't know. You can't say, "I, I know I did that. I remember the day. I remember the moment. Not that you have to remember the day and time, but, but you remember doing it, turning your life over to Jesus, accepting the gift of his death and burial and resurrection for your sins. If you haven't, do that here today. Don't leave. Because we're not promised another second, you could walk out. I'm not going to sound dramatic, but you're not promised another second. I've met people who say, I'm not ready yet. As soon as I get ready, I'm going to get a little better. I'm going to get a few things straight. I'm going to read my Bible a few more times a day, and then I'm going to do it. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. If you remember when Jesus was on the cross, just before he died, one of the other criminals said, Jesus, remember me? When you get to your kingdom, and what did Jesus say? Bam. Bam. All he had to do was acknowledge who Jesus Christ was and what he had done. And he said, you're going to be with me today in paradise. He didn't say, listen, get down off the cross, do a few little prayers, read a few, teach a few Bible study classes, then come back. Then you're ready. He said, done. (laughs) You accept me. You believe me. You trust me. You call out to me. I'm there. Do that today. Kevin, are you here? Kevin, leave. Elijah, I thought you. I don't know. What's the magic word that Jeff says or something? It must be something. Kevin, are you here? Yeah, Kevin, are here. Uh, so we're gonna sing uh, one more song during that time. We're gonna open up uh, the church for prayer, and if you want to come and, and have maybe 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 you're, maybe today's the day you want freedom from from sadness or bitterness or anger, or maybe today is the day you want freedom from addiction or pain or sickness or maybe today's the day you just want to ask God to make you more holy like he's holy and you need help or maybe today's the day you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ do that here today you can come down here and we'll, we'll pray with you right here um, in front of the front here or we'll pray where you're sitting but the God that Hannah worshipped and prayed to and loved is our God. It's the same God. And in fact, you've got the spirit of that God living inside you right now. You're never further than a thought, a prayer, a cry out to God. He's not far away in a place in heaven that you can't even see through the clouds. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he inside you and he wants you to be more